Case file number 5.07. I'm in love with Stasi's mom. Observed by Agent Crenshaw. Agent Crenshaw. Still working on this Gibson thing. No, Chief. You, you gotta give me more time. Have you even listened to the recordings? It's like an encyclopedia of this hacker stuff. One of them just keeps going on and on about everything that ever went wrong on the internet. No, nobody knows this kind of crap. He's obviously up to no good. Yeah, the one called Hackalope. No, how is it not illegal? The information is dangerous. And and the other one, the other one, Ymir. He's always going on about everything the CIA and FBI did wrong. All the wiretap stuff, all the crazy projects. How does he know? We already know he's infiltrated NASA, and I am this close to catching him skipping leg day. Now just ask yourself, Chief, what would J. Edgar Hoover do? Come, Chief, all I need is more time. Sooner or later they're going to slip up and I will catch them. Hacking the Gibson. Uh, the accounting subdirector of the Gibson's working really hard. I think we got a hacker. All right, so for today's episode, we're going uh, back to my typical, like, uh, historical uh, World War One, World War Two, Cold War sort of crap going on. But we're not going to be talking about the CIA this time, which is kind of a departure. You're going for one of the most notorious uh, intelligence agencies in the uh, Cold War. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about the the Stasi. So there's a lot of stuff out there on these guys, lots yeah. and lots of information, tons of books written on it, and everything like that. So this is going to be you know an all encompassing episode. I'm just going to kind of cover a few things that I found, and I think this also opens up some discussion into like current things going on as well. The reason why I was really interested that you were going to cover this because I obviously have done at least some reading about the Stasi. Because of what happened at the fall of uh, of the Warsaw Pact and the United Soviet Socialist Republics, we got a look into their archives in a way that we don't usually for an intelligence agency. So we we have more access to that information than we do for a lot of other uh, organizations that were operating in that same time period. Yeah, exactly. And all this you know, obviously, history lesson, uh, Germany was divided after World War II, East Germany, West Germany. And after a popular uprising in East Germany in June of 1953, uh, which was suppressed by Soviet troops, the government turned to the Stasi in order to stamp down any more unrest. They kind of wanted an organization that would get a handle on this sort of thing before it even got to that point, because it, it looked bad on them to have this happen. The Soviets come in and have to like stamp it down and stuff like that. So when, when all of this began, it began, as most of this stuff does, a lot of abductions, a lot of torture, a lot of you know physical coercion, stuff like that. But all that kind of changed in the 1970s. Um, it turns out that abducting your citizens and brutalizing them tends to not look... I don't mean to interrupt you, but that one piece of framing that we should probably say is that East German, West Germany, Berlin was split down the middle, the wall was made, and that's what really started kicking this off. <laughs> yeah, yeah is that the wall was made because East Germans, skilled East Germans were leaving East Germany for West Germany because, well, life was a little bit better even back exactly. then. Yes, um, yes. So they put up the wall and I'm sure you can see pictures online. It, we're not talking about death camps, but 
you might be hard pressed to tell the difference between the fortifications. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, you picture in your mind like a regular typical wall, but photos yeah. of that time, it's like it's yeah, and I, much more and, intimidating. Right. There was a moat, there was razor wire, there were there mm-hmm. were killing fields and machine guns, and many people died trying to cross the Berlin Wall and yes. associated fort- fortifications. It was no joke. Um, yeah. In fact, and- I think we we talked about them briefly in an episode. I think it was a CIA episode or something of people digging a tunnel underneath and the yeah. Stasi getting winded of the tunnel. Uh, well, yes, that, that you were talking about that in your one of your CIA grab bag episodes that was about the uh, tapping of the cable. Um, yes. Operation yeah. Gold? I think I think gold. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it turned out that actually after I had re-listened to the to the raw audio, I was like, oh, you know what? I did know about that particular uh, <laughs> that particular thing. I just I either didn't remember about it or or uh, came about it from a from a different angle. But I know mm-hmm. that I that there were details that you gave me that I hadn't run across before. I sorry, this is my whole digression about how <laughs> crazy it is as as interested as I've been in this subject for a long time. Uh, how much new stuff comes up constantly in the oh, last, yeah. especially uh, 10, 15 years. I thought I knew this stuff. And unless you're a full-time historian, it's it's impossible to know everything. Yeah, I kind of take it for granted sometimes of like everyone kind of knowing the layout and the the history and all that stuff. But yeah, another brief digression. But, but uh, that's the thing that I actually find pretty interesting about when we cover things is setting up like what was also happening contemporaneously at the same time. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's yeah. really easy to lose sight of in almost every book or article about the subject. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, um, brutalizing your your citizens and dragging them off to uh, torture them and whatnot, it casts a, a poor eye upon you uh, yes. from the citizens and from the international stage as well. And so that was one of the reasons why they decided to go a different route, because, you know, they, they didn't want to have the international community breathing down their neck as to what they were doing with their citizens. They wanted to keep it in the family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So instead of uh, torture and abduction, they just went to spying and blackmailing because that's way easier. And one of the the main terms they used was Zerzutsung, uh, which I think was a chemistry term, if I'm remembering what I read in like uh, Wikipedia, but it, it means corrosion or attrition. And that mm-hmm. became the name of their harassment tactics. Mm-hmm. And, and harassment's of, the right word. Yeah, reading through some of this, and like I'll, I'll get to some of the parts, but I was like, oh man, this this was much different than what like little I knew about the Stasi. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I thought it was much more the abductions and the intimidation, and less like the basically gaslighting. Gaslighting, we can do whatever we want, and mm-hmm. the the just sheer pervasiveness of it. Yeah, yeah, and instead of you know, abducting known members of a group that they thought might be, you know, collaborating and trying to um, form a resistance or anything like that. They were just like, well, we can just spy on them and sabotage their efforts. And it doesn't need to be like physical sabotage. They could just infiltrate them by signing up some of the people onto their payroll. Mm -hmm. They could just sow discord uh, through blackmailing, um, spying on them, getting some dirt on them and, you know, just blackmailing them into also being on their payroll. Mm-hmm. And that sort of thing. And this took a, a lot of forms. Uh, destroying the target's confidence uh, through harassment was basically the main goal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, obviously, I said they spread rumors about individuals through their work in social circles. You know, they might just drop some stuff 
you know, the people you hung out with, where you worked, your boss might catch wind of it. It could result in you losing your job. I, I've heard stories of paid informants informing on their siblings and their parents. Yeah, very true. Like this, this was like family informing on family and like friends and yeah. friends. There was kind of no safe zone for it. Yeah, and they were recruiting pre-adults, like teenagers and stuff, like no holds barred. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of these tactics uh, were tried and t- uh, tested by the Gestapo uh, in Nazi Germany. You know, this utilizing this this fear, uh, this pervasive fear in your community of you don't know who you can talk to because they might be reporting on you. If you are resentful and you want to lash out, like you don't even talk out loud to yourself about it because the walls are probably bugged. Yeah. Are you talking, are you going to talk about how pervasive this was? In in terms of like uh, how much they were like spying? The to- Well, the total number of populate of the population that was supposed to be on their p- payroll. Oh yeah, was- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was, that was a, a- a crazy number too. Yeah, I'm like, I didn't want to spoil your your, mm-hmm. your 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 surprise on that one, but that's just a shock, just a shocker. Yeah, foreshadowing. No, it's not foreshadowing. <laughs> that's just teasing. <laughs> yeah. So, Zersetsung uh, began by using all of the data they would collect on an individual. Like they would go through your medical history, all the records from your schooling, any police records they had on you, any criminal activities, anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know they go through your employment records, everything. And they would even come into your, like go into your house when you weren't there yeah. and search through everything in your house uh, to find some sort of weak point that they could exploit against you. So one of the stories that I heard that, well, actually I, more than I heard, I saw a documentary on this. Um, mm-hmm. They wouldn't just break in and, you know, just ransack things to show that they could, or, or, you know, try and find any weakness. They take something with your scent on it. And they had a whole library of jars with stuff uh, with uh, taken scent items mm, Okay, it, as a whole library. And like, they, it wasn't just, Oh, you're under investigation. They had it on like everybody. So right, right, yeah. if four years down the road, they needed a a dog to track you down they had a scent item in their library for you right yeah like like, this isn't a rumor they showed us pictures (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah i i did i did not read about the scent thing but yeah like that's totally believable that was nuts the the next step in the strategy uh was to draw up what their specific aim and goal was in targeting you and what the time scale to accomplish that goal would be oftentimes when you were put under observation it wasn't a a secretive thing like they would be very blatant to the fact that you were under observation just to foster the paranoia Mm -hmm. Uh, go outside to go get in your car to go to work go walk to work and they'd be sitting across the street just watching you and just Mm -hmm. let you know like hey you're on our radar now like you know watching you yeah. Watching your every move. <laughs> yeah, still creepy. Still creepy in this context. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they they would also seek to uh, do physical and psychological harassment. And like like you touched on, um, they would go into your house and move things around. They would set your alarm to go off like an hour early or an hour late just to like fuck with your head. They would like, you know, you said they would take scent items. They would also take your coffee. Um, so you, you wake up and you wouldn't have coffee in the morning suddenly. And you'd be like, wait, what? Like, what, what's going on? That, so that seems extra cruel yes. in East Germany war, when Warsaw packed East Germany. Yeah. It wasn't just for sure you could go down to the store mm-hmm. and get more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they would they would make doctor's appointments 
uh, for you in your name and order items to be delivered to your house that you never ordered. Really? Yeah, yeah. It, you know, like modern day equivalent be like if you were getting packages from Amazon every day and you're like, what? I never, what? That was exactly what I was thinking. It's like, Amazon could totally do this. Like they have the infrastructure and they know enough about us. Now I'm really creeped out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. If Bezos wanted to roll a couple of billion dollars just to mess with everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they would they would they wouldn't mess with your car. They would go let the air out of the tires uh during the night. So you'd wake up and you know, one of your tires would be flat. You know, just all sorts of like little Yeah, like... but they drove around Lottas. How would you know? Mm, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know, we talked about the fact that they would bring, you know, members of your family, your social circle and everything onto the payroll to spy on you. And then like, you know, even even if you're on their payroll, that did not make you immune. You know, other yeah. people were spying on you. Well, I mean, 100 percent of the people you work with are already on their payroll. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Officially, they employed around 90,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's estimated that one in six Germans were informing for the Stasi and every factory, bank, apartment complex, basically everywhere you would go would have at least one informant. The number I had heard was one in five, but one in six is mm-hmm. pretty close. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and upon the collapse of the uh, DDR, it was shown that 500,000 unofficial informants worked for the Stasi and that they had info on one in three Germans. And they were they were hyper vigilant. Um, I watched a um, German documentary on YouTube mm-hmm. that was just kind of going over, you know, how they started and the fact that they they very quickly took over all passport paperwork duties. And so Cute. they they were getting all your information there. They took off all border cross checking duties as well. And in that way, they were getting data on everyone from West Germany coming over to visit their families. Yeah. They were, you know, cataloging all of that stuff. Yeah. Well, so one of this, the KGB was very well known for this, but the, but like this is right in line with the what the Stasi would do. They were a very strong defensive uh, intelligence agency because they they had such good control of the borders. They knew who was in country, and they would be willing to the the Russians would be willing to assign you know, four people for every person that they wanted to keep an eye on, which was hmm. about everybody. Um, I don't know that the Stasi were quite that vigilant. The rep was always the KGB. The, the term Moscow rules may have may have come into your consciousness, but like yeah. it's the same kind of thing where mm-hmm. they have such control over who's coming in and out that, and they have such resources that they can literally put four times as many people on the ground and have literally an every moment kind of watch on you mm-hmm. yeah yeah exactly and anytime anyone from east germany successfully fled across the border it was seen as a failure to the stasi mm-hmm. um and so you know they just redoubled their efforts after every single one they learned from every single time someone crossed the border they learned exactly how it was done and sought to patch up that hole so it would never be exploited again and they had testing facilities where they would test out new new barricades uh, some of which were capable of stopping tanks in their tracks and, you know, all sorts of methods of like stopping cars. They would train the Stasi members on handling hostage situations. In the video that I watched, one Stasi uh, lieutenant, I think, or something like that, um, actually tried to defect and he took hostages um, and wanted to get passage over to West Germany and other Stasi members just shot him dead immediately. 
<laughs> and that was that was their hostage negotiation tactics was like we'll never get in that situation we don't negotiate shoot them dead move on you know i find that actually pretty interesting in contrast to the 1976 olympics uh black september the the israeli uh, um olympic team and mm, how okay. west germany they they went through a a one of those major agonizing reappraisals of how they handle hostage situations because they found themselves essentially unprepared for that and this was right at the same time and mm-hmm. the contrast between the two is just complete opposite ends of the spectrum and I find that yeah. interesting. Uh, so they you know they monitored everything going on and in fact there are examples of just very minor incidents that nonetheless like basically brought the entire attention of the Stasi. Uh, one of these, we have like uh, photographic evidence and like a few different books. Uh, one of these were uh, three children accidentally kicked a football over the Berlin wall. Uh-huh. And the Stasi made sure to document the exact placement of the football. Um, you know, they marked it off. They you know, basically chalked it out, uh, documented everything about it, and then photographed the entire return of the ball and like a ceremonious affair. And you know, had had photos for everything. And another but they one returned the ball. Yeah, yeah, they actually returned the ball, which is very, I, very strange. It's just like if it's such a big deal, it's a ball, you're a nation state with machine guns. Yeah, yeah. Where's your head gotta be at to be like, I have to document all of this. It's very, it's very important that we that we keep records of this because it could be somebody trying to put one over trying to do mm-hmm. something that 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 might aid an escape but we're still going to make sure the kids get their ball back yeah like that's you know like i understand like you know the paranoid of the wazoo so be complete sense that, villains embrace it yeah they're like no this is the football we gotta we gotta hand it give it back to them they're, they're just kids soccer is just that important exactly one other event uh was a late ball either fell out or was tossed out of a window in an apartment complex and it just so happened to land on the car roof of a motorcade as it was going by. And that motorcade was for a bunch of state officials. And so they immediately suspected that, you know, was foul play had been performed by uh, quote unquote negative enemy forces mm-hmm. and, you know, started like documenting everything about that and investigating where this light bulb had come from. Mm-hmm. And so a, a lot of, a lot of the stuff um, we have, you know, still from, the Stasi, there's a lot of photographic evidence, like, you know, not even counting just the written documentation, everything. And in the 50s, photography was still pretty new. But by the time the 80s came around, cameras were everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the Stasi just kept increasing their catalog of photos to, you know, absurd levels at this point. They had cameras hidden in arm casts, purses, shopping bags, uh, books inside your home. They would come into your home, you know, set up. Uh, cameras inside your home just to document things and they had numerous incentives for the employees to develop and create new methods of disguising cameras so more amazon yeah 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 exactly but they, but they like, were the alexa of the time well you know they're internet things um uh, mm-hmm. but it actually occurs to me that like one of the problems in the intelligence world that happened that started really mounting about that time uh was what we call the information problem which is you can gather all mm. kinds of information from everywhere all at once. We now have the facility to do that, but your ability to analyze it is much more limited. Yes. So I don't know if the, if you were, if you ran across anything that's, that's worth talking about, but I know that they had 
buildings of their archives were like these huge sprawling buildings mm -hmm. um that we like what i was talking about earlier where we, where we got a chance to to look at all of this stuff it was a few years after the berlin wall fell and and reunification was going on because they had actually barricaded all of the intra all of the entrances somebody had to find like a a maintenance tunnel in to get mm. into the actual archives right um, yeah they were massive buildings um i mean they were like four or five stories tall but they were like, like they covered like city blocks yeah yeah how do they make use of all of that information like i could understand if it was for a specific you know investigation but once you've used it why keep it around unless you're gonna use it later but could mm -hmm. anybody ever find anything even with german efficiency <laughs> yeah yeah i feel like it was more you know just catalog everything and then when we find a target we'll go back and see what we've cataloged on him in the past mm. like 10 years. And just like now, well, now we'll delve through that, but we at least have it in storage waiting, yeah. waiting for that time. Cause inevitably like everyone will do something. So we got to have all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, Cardinal Richelieu, mm -hmm. give me six sentences from a, from an honest man and I will find something within there to hang him by. Yeah. And uh, like the addiction of documenting everything and seeing everyone and anything as a potential enemy backfired like a few times but backfired gloriously in may of 1980 the stasi spies were taking photographs of this house that they were you know putting under surveillance and they accidentally caught a senior member leaving and entering the home multiple times uh, while they were surveilling it. it turned out that senior member was having an affair with another colleague from the uh, secret police at the house <laughs> so they documented all that you know, I wonder if this actually had a major impact on adultery rates in Eastern Germany. Yeah, I can only imagine. Adultery rates, any sort of like, like I, I didn't look into it, but like crime statistics, like, you know, the yeah. amount of overall surveillance they had, like how that affected everything across the board. And the photographs also document a interesting story of a 19 year old Soviet soldier who spent four and a half years after deserting his East German barracks, uh, living and hiding a hole in the ground in rural Brandenburg. They just watched him for four and a half years, taking photos and documenting what he was like doing. They knew he was a defector. They knew he was hiding in a hole in the ground. And they still just took pictures for four and a half years. I mean, he could have been waiting for someone, you know, they wanted to, catch the other person so i just sat there and watched and waited and in fact like a sad story is they kept tabs on obviously anyone that tried to escape and could not do it successfully mm -hmm. and in one case this couple tried to escape in the boot of their car with their child and their child mm -hmm. died of suffocation uh, due to like a gas leak in the vehicle and the stasi monitored them intensely through that entire tragedy and the funeral and they even got people at the funeral to take photos of the uh, the child's burial and document all of that stuff too so like even at this service there were informants you know spying on this this family and the stasi often misunderstood how activist groups functioned without leadership you know in their mind mm -hmm. it was okay you target the head you take them out and the group should fail uh, however that was not the case uh, the group kept on going without you know the leadership or you know they took you know more or less the that metaphor of like the hydra mm -hmm. the group itself kept moving on and through their sabotage of group activities they also kind of misunderstood the fact that this emboldened the groups to try harder um, mm -hmm. each time 
you know, they put a roadblock up or tried to sabotage in some ways, the groups came back stronger. And, you know, while this was the case, uh, the targets of the Stasi, the individual targets still suffered from a lot of mental health issues and burnout, and they still like suffer. And the Stasi were incredibly effective. They might not have been as effective at stopping these groups, but they were very effective at like destroying the mental health of these people um, that they were monitoring. Literally terrorizing people. Yeah. And they depended on their information gathering in order to justify what they needed. You know, obviously there was a budget to fund them. And if they were not providing the proper information or a lot of people were escaping, you know, they were going to get defunded and, um, you know, kicked to the curb. So they, because of that, were very relentless in everything they were gobbling up because they had to be. Mm -hmm. And informants were regularly found out. You know, you have that many people informing for you. Yes. And Some of them are going to be very good at it. <laughs> exactly. Most of them were found out just because they were not properly prepared for whatever they were spying on. Uh, one article I read cited an event where several people showed up and they all provided the same name. And, you know, the hosts of the event were like, wait a second, like, what's going on here? <laughs> all right. That's funny. Um, but I mean, it, and it means the Mago- Mongolian hordes thing. It's like, it doesn't matter if any individual is is successful the point is that we is that we're operating all of these people and so one of the problems that we have in the kind of controlled communist economies that were this from the soviet era and i'm not making the claim that this is that this is a communist thing it was definitely a soviet communist thing Mm -hmm. not that we have a ton of other examples but um but organizations generally concentrated entirely too much on the thing that they were measured on without any look to innovations of any kind. Your prestige was based on how big your department was. There was a lot of, well, at least in the Soviet factory system, there was very much a idea of full employment, but that's not important here. But there was no reason to take risks of new things. So- All of these organizations had a tendency towards doing it very big, mm-hmm. massively parallel, you know, sizing it up ad infinitum, but never doing anything different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It worked in the past. Why change it? Right. And while, you know, obviously some people were found out, it's important to point out that most informants were not discovered until 1989 when the Stasi files were opened. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the the main Stasi building is a museum now, and the citizens are able to go there and see what information was being gathered on them, and also uh, if their friends were on the payroll spying on them. And that was that was a major point of contention in one of my readings was that mm-hmm. they didn't want to let the citizens go in because it could lead to a lot of violence among the populace of like, hey yeah. Frank, like are you, are you kidding me? Like you were spying on me for five years? Like what the hell, man? I guess it'd be Germany, so it'd be like Frank. Yeah, well, I was I'm wondering if how how many like, well, of course you were spying on me. I was spying on you. <laughs> yeah, it was like, <laughs> okay, let's have a beer. Well, it's like, well, I report uh, like I I, I did a report on you last week and got yeah, paid yeah, for yeah. it. I'm buying mm-hmm. this week. You do your report on me this week. Yeah, yeah. And you pay next week. And when the wall eventually fell 
the employees began to destroy a lot of this evidence, um, all these extensive files and documents and, mm-hmm. you know, via shredders, incineration, destroying it by hand, like whatever they could do. And once the public caught on to this, this massive protest began outside of the headquarters. And, you know, more and more people kept showing up and eventually they overpowered the police and gained entry into the complex and like, you know, stormed through this. And some employees that were still there trying to destroy documents were thrown out of the upper windows. Oh, Mm. Wow. Yeah. I think that maybe that documentary I watched softly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and among the protesters, obviously, were a lot of Stasi informants because, you know, what to say, one in one in six, one in five. Yeah. And so a lot of these people were seeking to destroy the documents that incriminated them. You know, yeah. you could see the motivation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 exactly. I, I feel like we should uh, also probably touch on how a lot of this can be directly linked to what's going on in the U.S. in like the past 10 years or so. Oh, I was also thinking China. China was the thing mm. that really came to mind. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Their situation's a little bit different. They're not nearly as dense as Eastern Germany mm. was, and they don't have quite the same kind of uh, social control, the the pervasiveness. They, they can't quite do that. But the mechanisms they have for conformity and they have you know internet-based feedback mechanisms for what gets out who said it they have uh it's been reported on like uh social conformity scores Mm -hmm. yeah yeah. the means are somewhat different the situation's a little bit different but it's that pervasive everywhere um you're always being watched and you're always being reported on i really have no other way of saying it terror state yeah 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 exactly but what what was your point in the in the, in the U.S. Because like I got stuck on China as soon as you were talking about some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. This like there were there were a lot of references to to Britain, um, and the fact that like you know they have cameras all over the place, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of pervasive um, like hey we got info on you and we can make your life a living hell sort of thing that the police do in Britain. I'm not British. Um, yeah, I have no idea. You know, like how how true that is in the, these articles. Um, but like, you know, like with the the NSA and the U.S. collecting data, you know, the Stasi had these giant warehouse data. The U.S. government can collect 5 billion records of phone location data, 42 billion Internet records per month, all this stuff. So it occurs to me that we don't really have the the police. It's not pervasive enough where we have lots of um, of reporting on police basically saying we're keeping an eye on you and we and 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 we'll make your life hell if if you even talk about it Mm -hmm. there's lots of things that have happened in the u.s policing world but that's not one of them oh yeah yeah no i I was more touching on the the amount of data collection not the the misuse of that well the point that i was making was that we have so much data collected a lot of similar information but it's not government collection Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And we know that doxin has been used as a weapon mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. by people in public. And it's this, it's a similar kind of surveillance and shame kind of thing. It's just, it's not being done by the official state. Yeah. And the Amnesty org had a, a German organization called open data city. Uh, they estimated that, you know, while the Stasi archives uh, basically would fill 48,000 filing cabinets with the amount mm-hmm. of data that they collected, you know, they reference the fact that the a U.S. server could store um, so much data that if printed out would fill 42 trillion cabinets. Yeah, that article points out and kind of really hits home, like you know that 
China, Britain, the United States, and I think anywhere is that it's it's a two-edged sword. I mean, you are collecting this information and this data to possibly identify threats that could you know harm your citizenry, but that can very quickly spiral out of control to just need to know every last bit of detail about everyone because you know everyone can be a threat at some point so like where does it stop well we're not as good as we'd like to be at at the very least at seeing this stuff happen before it does in fact i would even argue that if we were any good at using those techniques the premeditated mass shooters would be something that we were would be much more effective at dealing with Mm -hmm. we have evidence that we're not very good at that um but the every time you have a failure like that, the answer is almost always we need more data. Yes, yeah. And the mechanism methods by which that data is used or any judgment on the limits of what's possibly preventable mm-hmm. is not part of the discussion. Yeah. I remember saying when the Patriot the original Patriot Act was passed, we knew what they the latitude they already had, and we they still had the issues that they did. And there was at least reporting at the time that they weren't making very efficient use of the information that they did have. Mm -hmm. So the question becomes, do you need more acquisition or do you need better analysis? Or can you even accomplish this? Mm -hmm. There are things that you just won't be able to catch systematically with the technology and data that you have available to you. And like the, the combination of the tech, the manpower and the, and the data. One of the hardest things, even in regular in in our infosec, to say is, I'm just not going to catch that. Mm-hmm, right. And the amount of investment that I would need to do to catch that particular case is too much to uh, to expect. Being able to just affirmatively say, I'm going to be able to catch it incidentally. I know that I can investigate it if we get some other alert to it, mm-hmm. but we're just not going to we're, we're just not going to catch it every time or even most times, if that particular threat hits us. And you just hope that though, that when you're in that world, that those are the low, the low risk threats. But I mean, I, th- I guess the bigger thing is sometimes it's not more data acquisition, it's better use of the data. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's all I have in the Stasi. I just happened to also look up, I was trying to look up Stasi puns. Um, <laughs> didn't find any Stasi puns. I did find though, uh, some some jokes that were going around on the time. So I will end this episode with this question. Uh, how can you use a banana as a compass? How? Uh, you place a banana on the Berlin Wall, the bit and end would point east. <laughs> Find out about new episodes at r slash hacking the Gibson on Reddit and support the podcast by contributing at the Wikimedia Foundation or Electronic Frontier Foundation. <laughs>